We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 100. If you think you've listened to all 100 episodes, can you DM me or email me or something? I just feel like this is a monumental time for the Equestrian Podcast, and I am so happy that all of you have followed along in this journey. Okay, let's get to this episode. Our guest today is an Australian Grand Prix dressage rider who is so talented in the saddle, but she also runs an entire business out of the saddle that is absolutely incredible. Not only is our guest a YouTuber, blogger, podcast host, but she also creates the most amazing videos to help other riders master their craft. It is such an amazing movement, and I am so excited to have her on. So, founder of Your Riding Success, let's hear it from our guest today, Natasha Altoff. Thank you for coming on. I would love to hear all the different areas of your business and what fills your hours lately. Uh, And we'd like to hear how you first got into the horse world. Well, I always loved a horse ever since it was, you know, here's a dog, here's a cat, horse. It was horse, horse, horse. (laughs) And my parents were like, no, no, no. And I got a little bit crazy when you become a teenager and going down the wrong kind of places. And my aunt said to my father, are you kidding? She's been asking for a horse that will occupy every weekend, every waking hour, every night, get her a horse. He was like, that's a good idea. So finally I got a horse (laughs) and I didn't, I didn't, I just wanted to ride. I just had ridden, you're a lot younger than me. Did you ever, you probably would have watched the saddle club rather than read the saddle club. Oh no, I totally did. Yeah. How old do you think I am? Because I don't I'm older than you 20. think. So good. 27, 27. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, I just wanted to do what the girls in the saddle club did. Totally. And um, I wanted to be Carol because everyone wanted to be Carol. Uh-huh, I think right? I don't know, everyone has their favorite. <laughs> but at the time it was just running fast and I wanted to beat my friend. We got horses at the same time and I wanted to win the race. So I was very competitive, but yeah. had no idea what I was doing. I love it. I mean, had you had any background as far as like, were your parents, did they know anything about horses? Like, were you living on land at the time that you could get a horse? What was that like? No, we lived in suburbia. Um, Both my parents grew up in the war. So there was absolutely no, that no, my dad never went outside really. Like, of course he went outside, but he was very hay fevery. He was yeah. not, I don't, I think he saw my horse once. He was not into the outdoors <laughs> yeah. and yeah, we lived in suburbia. So we had to find a place to adjust and I adjusted my horse with like 20 other horses in a big, big paddock where wow. you had to like trudge out to go find your horse. And um, then you'd just hop on with the halter and the, the, the rug and ride him back. And, oh, fun. Yeah. So obviously the original, uh, idea was for you to get back on the straight and narrow. Do you feel mm-hmm. like that was helpful for you or what What was like yeah. a shift that went on at that time? Yeah, no, it absolutely was because it did occupy everything, mm-hmm. like all my focus and all my time. And when I entered the pony club, then it was like, oh, well, I need to be, I, I was always very competitive. So I wanted to be the best. Like I yeah. was in grade five and I thought the grade one riders in pony club were the Olympians. So I went, I just need to get to grade four and I just yeah. need to get to grade three and so on. So I was very committed and I was very lucky that my mum 
was very committed as well. So she took me to the shows every single week and that was just my life. I got up, I fed my horse, I went to school, which I hated, came home, rode the horse and went to bed and did it all over again. So it certainly gave me focus and something to do with my time. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about Pony Club because it's definitely something looking back, I'm like, oh, I wish I had, I like didn't really have a Pony Club you know, like organization near me, but I like, especially from watching like Saddle Club and all of that, I'm like, oh, I have major FOMO that I never was able to do that. Thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it because it, it. I love being in a situation where I'm the worst and there's people to aspire to and there's people that you want to be. That's what, like, that's how I learn. I just go, okay, I have to do like them. So it was very cool that I had that. And obviously they teach you how to look after a horse. Like I didn't know, I just fed him lots of lucerne at the end. And then like, if I didn't see him for two days, he didn't get fed. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And right. I put a rug on because I like to be warm, but didn't think it's going to get warm like god I don't know how he survived so yeah they tell you a lot about that and you know there's pony club camps it is saddle clubs there's camps and Mm -hmm. there's there's friendships and there's there's fun in there exactly at what point were you like doing pony club like loving life doing it you know more in the casual end and like just because you were obsessed with it to when you were like I feel like I want to like have this be part of a career for me. I I never thought I would have, I never thought I would have a career in anything and I still don't. I don't don't (laughs) think I have a career. I knew, I was very lucky. My mum and my grandmother always said, you can do anything and you can, you can just do everything, anything and everything. So my grandmother, I only used to see her once a year in January. And I remember I used to lie on her lap and I was probably eight, nine at the time. And she'd brush my hair and I'd say, tell me the story, grandma. And grandma would be like, okay, so you live in a beautiful house with 10 black horses around you and um, you ride every day and you do all these things. And I was like, cool. And I just, it it totally went into my unconscious, I think. And I just, I knew I was going to ride horses, but it wasn't going to be a career. Mm -hmm. My grandmother was a very interesting lady. And she was, she had little sayings, like you marry first for um, money, second for love. And I I remember like if people ever said, how will you pay for it? I said, oh, I don't pay for it. Like, like <laughs> my husband pays for it. Sure. Unfortunately, when I met my husband at high school, he was not this wealthy factor <laughs> that we had all assumed was going to do it. So we right. had to find another way. But yeah, it was just always, I, I knew horses was never, go- I don't mm-hmm. think it's my career. I ride horses because I love it. I, I do stuff with horses because I love it. And I'm operating from a passion point of view, not from a job or a career point of view. Right. Totally. That's so cool. I guess at at this point then, were you going to, were you thinking about going to school? What was Mm. the next step for you? My father was very much, I wanted to be a singer. I quite liked to sing. And my father was like, no child of mine will go to the college of the arts. Yeah. So I was not going to be a singer. And so he was very much university education, university education. So I got a degree in science and nutrition, which I loved. I love nutrition. I love looking at how our bodies work and was exposed at that time to like we were studying stomach stapling and okay. clients that would get their stomach stapled but melt down butter and lard to stay fat because of this intense fear of actually being skinny. And I went, oh my God, I just lit up when I heard that. I was like, that is the most fascinating. So I was going to go back to university and do a psychology degree, but I didn't like university and so that kind of didn't happen. But yes, yeah. I did did go do that. But all I, all I saw for myself, I loved the idea of a headset 
to be a secretary. I just wanted to be a secretary. I'd yep. be like, hello, I'll go get your dry cleaning. That was that was my vision. I love it. I know. I feel like were you one of those kids that like played like you know like you checked people at the grocery store you were like booking appointments like I was always playing some sort of like store or secretary or game I love it yes absolutely (laughs) oh that's so funny so you were done with school did you take a break from riding during school no, no, no. The writing always came first. Okay. So it, it was always the, the, the university and the study had to figure itself out around mm-hmm. my writing and, com- and the competitions and what I was doing there. Okay. Did you go away for school or were you close by that you could continue a similar setup? No, it was about an hour's drive. So okay. I had my license. So I just drove back yeah. and forwards. Yeah. Nice. So then what happened after you graduated? <sighs> oh, well then, yeah, I had to figure out what to do, didn't I? So, um, <laughs> My father had a taxi company. So he said, why don't you come and work for the taxi company? It'll give you a bit more flexible time because if I went to work for to a real job, to a real employer, maybe they wouldn't be so calm with me mm-hmm. wanting to take time off for lessons, time off for competing. And yeah. it, it was always writing, writing, writing. So I did that for nearly on 10 years. Yeah. Part-time helping him. Awesome. And then tell me a little bit about your writing success, a little bit about your videos and the whole platform of this kind of educational component of writing. Yeah. Back when I was studying nutrition, as I said, I was really lit up around why do we do what we do? Why do we do or not do actions that aren't in alignment with what we say we want? That question I obsess about to this day. I love it. And I had always been a real planner and a real organizer and always goal set ever since I was like eight years old like it was it was just so in me and I thought I I found it weird not many people everyone used to tease me about it and everyone used to think I was weird and I used to love reading all my personal development books and I thought that was weird (laughs) so I, I was getting more and more into it all and so I decided to go back and study life coaching so I did a diploma in life coaching and it, that's what kind of gave rise to your writing success. It was, it was as my understanding of how we work and what success is and how to align with the actions you take to get the outcomes that you want, my writing accelerated and my writing results started getting really, really good. So I went, wow, there's something in this. And then at that time, my stallion had bucked me off and um, I'd had a writing fear and overcome that writing fear using the principles that I was learning. So I just all fell into each other that I went, I just have to start helping people. I just have to start teaching this. And if I, I, to this day, I don't think anyone's listening to this conversation. I don't think (laughs) anyone's watching any of the videos. I'm just talking to the camera like my best friend. And I don't, I think I assume only my best friend's listening. So it's never been about what's out there. It's just been about how can I help and how can I, you know, if I can stop one person feeling frustrated or stop one person feeling scared, that's awesome. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit more detail about that situation of coming back from a fall like that and overcoming that fear. Cause I feel like that's such a common problem and you don't really understand it until you personally are in it it's so scary. And so like, you can just get in your head and you know, physically what you need to do, but your like mind just can't keep up with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for me, what had happened is he actually broke a bone in my back. So I couldn't get back on, you know, that, that whole principle, it's like, get back on. on. There's (laughs) there's a lot to be said for that, because as you said, you can get back on before your brain catches up to what happened. Mm -hmm. And then it codes the event in a different way because it ended up happening. You got back on and it didn't happen. 
So yeah, I just remember going, I have to get back on this horse. And that feeling that I never had, I always have a feeling of love, joy, excitement, passion when I get put my foot in the stirrup. And it was that feeling of dread and that Mm. feeling of fear and that feeling of, I haven't got this. He could kill me next time. Like I was lucky I just broke a bone. What's going to happen next time? And knowing to me, it's that victim powerless feeling Mm. of going, I can't control this situation and I can't stop it if he does it again. So I had to work out how to get my power back and how to get my illusion of control back. They're yeah. big animals. We have yeah. no control. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if we give ourselves illusion of control, it certainly uh-huh. helps the situation. Plus for some, like when I work with riders with fear, some it's a complete irrational fear. Their horse has never done anything wrong, but wow. they think yeah. it could. Totally. And then that's all racing in their head. For other people, it's a bit of a skill thing. For my stallion, I had a good, I had a real rational fear of, of coming off. I was at a competition and he bucked me off at a competition. I had to enter my test, got back on, had to enter my test with green grass all over my <laughs> white breeches. So it was a skill thing. I had to learn how do I stop a horse that loves to buck, that bucks a lot? How do I stop him doing that? And eventually I developed those skills. Thank you. But sometimes we don't want to develop those skills because there's a learning curve. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's And it's something that you, I feel like is definitely a, a case-by-case situation and, mm. you know, to try to get through that and overcome that. That's really interesting. So how long has your riding success been around for now? I'm going to say 10 years, yeah, yeah, 10, 11 years. And I feel like as far as the educational aspect online for equestrian industry goes, you were like way ahead of the time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> because I feel like right now we're just like getting more and more in the momentum of online learning in the equestrian industry. So it's cool to see that you have had a place in this kind of niche of the industry for that long? Yeah, I think it was from, I I need to help. I need to help and I can't just, I don't want to just help people that are in my postcode that are geographically close to me. I want to help anyone that has this challenge and has this problem. So it was up to me to figure out. And we didn't have any training in marketing and online. Oh, I can't, I still to this day, I'm so surprised (laughs) I'm on this Zoom call. I don't really know how to turn on computers. Every every successful Zoom call is always a miracle. Let's be (laughs) (laughs) I'm so with you. Absolutely. So there was a lot of learning. Like I'm a learning freak. I love to learn and I love growth and progress and something that I couldn't do last week or last year, I can now do. So I took that, 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 energy into the business. And then I luckily had my husband and an amazing woman that's been with me since 2009, Kate, and we just figured it out. Yeah. Just figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I know that 2020 has been the most unpredictable year for as far as schedule goes, but what is a normal week look like for you usually between your riding and, and also for your riding success? Well, like I said, I'm very, very scheduled. So I I like to have everything I know what day so today's a a Wednesday for me and that's like the the creating day so I'm just 
delivering content. I, to, to me, I just go, it's my day training. Mm. So I sit there and I try and teach and train and film and, and podcast and do all those kinds of things. So I don't ride on Wednesday. So I ride Monday, Tuesday, and I try to, and I also film on the Tuesday, anything that I have to do with the horses. Monday is my day. So I don't, I don't want a camera anywhere. I don't want to know. I just try and focus again on my riding. 2024 Olympics is still very, very important to me. It's something I'm really working towards. And I do find that balance sometimes hard when I go, Hey, my horses is my passion back off Um, Uh and balancing okay now I'm I'm filming and I'm helping people and and so I have to transition it's very few different mindsets for me yeah so that's that and I've got kids so and right now they're at home with the homeschooling so then we at about 10 10 30 I'm up at the house and I'm playing with them for a little bit and then yeah we have different theme days in terms of your writing success I'm very very lucky we've got lots of people in the team that whenever I hire someone I'm like I'm not a manager I, I you need to own this you can Mm. definitely ask me for questions but please don't expect I'm going to tell you what to do it's your baby this is your little part that you now get to get to play with and you can ask me for help and of course we have meetings on what are the KPIs and what are we looking to achieve but I really need people that can take it and run and I'm very lucky I've got a super team yeah so that's that Hold that thought. I wanted to take a minute to talk about our podcast sponsor. The Tried Equestrian is the ultimate online consignment destination for the modern rider, bringing you tack, apparel, footwear, and accessories at seriously unbeatable prices. Their selection of both brand new and lightly used items are updated daily and features all of your favorite brands such as Tailored Sportsman, Parlanti, CWD, Oglavy, Cavalleria Toscana, and so many more, and they're up to 80% off the retail prices. You can shop or you can sell yourself and request a free consignment kit at triedequestrian.com. You can also use code PODCAST15 for 15% off your first purchase. Thank you so much, Tried Equestrian. Let's head back to the episode. I feel like you are also, and this is something that is fun because I feel like it's something that we have in common, but having the balance between an online business and platform and and those, you know, like areas that you need to put a lot of time towards, and then also having a professional like riding or training career within the industry also, I feel like it's it's rare, at least in my kind of discipline with the hunter jumper world. I feel like I'm one of the only people that have two directions within the industry with both being online and then having a training position. So how do you feel about that? How do you balance the to to make them so successful? Yeah, I think, as I said, sometimes I don't balance it and then I kind of get out of kilter. But it it really has helped me now having theme days like that the Monday and the Friday, my days and Saturday actually. So I have three days where I can ride and just just ride and enjoy it and play and train and work on getting that better. And then one to two days with the horses is um, the business and what do I need to do and how can I serve and how can I help? I'm just so obsessed with my time and I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm not putting the time there. No, that time. No, you don't get that time. And my coach and I, so I have a life coach as well. He and I always laugh because in my wiring is what's the cheat way? What's the way that we can get the result? without having to do what the norm of society thinks you should do. And my brain's always looking at it. It's not so good. My 
horse riding coach hates me. She's like, whoa, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, because if you cheat, you do it like this way. Look, you get the, you get the half pass. Yeah. She's like, the half pass for a seven, not a nine. Basics, you've got to do it perfectly. I'm like, oh. And that's why I'm the rider I am. I'm not a perfectionist in a perfectionist sport. Like I don't have that, that part of my wiring. So that's something that helps me in some areas because I get to balance my life really well because I'm constantly going, no, 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 I don't have to do that. Someone else can do that. And I I can do that in a different way that doesn't take as much time. But in the riding, when you're looking just to really dive in like that's the bit where I go I don't know if I'm an Olympian because I don't know and I'm totally cool with that because I love who I am and how I show up and and the results I have in my life it's, it doesn't have to be all pinned on this Olympic dream right <laughs> speaking of Olympic dream what are some things Miss Planner that you are putting in place now to get yourself geared up and positioned as well as possible for that goal yeah 2020 you, you, you laugh because yes it hasn't gone to plan and my plan was beautiful I was meant to be in England I was meant to be competing for the first time internationally at all the international events on a small tour horse and a big tour horse it was going to be amazing it's going to be just brilliant and the learning and now that's happened I've stayed in Garfield Victoria (laughs) with no competitions in sight Uh, so that's okay but yes I still have two horses in England and the plan would be hopefully next year I need to get international experience I need to start going to those big shows like I said I figure out and learn what to do when I'm in an environment when I suck when I Mm. am the worst around me I'm like oh what I look like and what I'm doing isn't what they're all doing around me I'll just and I just copy I just go I just got to do that and I just got to do that and that lifts me and helps me understand I'm a very visual learner Mm -hmm. so you can tell me to the cows come home this needs to be better, but it, I'll learn when I go to the test and do my center line and get a six and then watch all the top riders go and get tens. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should just do what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the plan. Six months in Europe, six months in Australia for the next three years until 2024. Hopefully I have a good enough horse for 24. We don't know. You never know, but we'll we'll see what happens. Absolutely. You can have all your ducks in the in a row with the horse and you know, it just never <laughs> it never seems to go perfectly as planned. Or you always think that you have a horse for longer. And um that's the yeah, that's the big question mark in the sport, I feel like for sure. Is there a young horse that you have you have like high hopes for, or are you gonna plan on a specific date to do a little shopping? Are you hoping you have one in house already? What what's that kind of like for you? Yeah, for me, I'm stupidly optimistic when it comes to my horses. I think all my horses could win the Olympics with a hundred percent. I am that naive and that that <laughs> stupidly optimistic. I always have been. Always have been. <laughs> so when you say, do I have high hope? Like, yeah, I have high hopes for sure. all of them. Yeah. And yeah, I have, I have two very exciting horses that I think will be cool, but I don't know. We'll see. When you are doing a test, do you have, do you have specific areas where you are like, oh yeah, this is my favorite part. We are, we kill this. And then you have parts where you're like, please like keep it together. I mean, obviously I'm sure horse by horse, it's different, but what are the, some kind of those areas for you, the highs and lows? Yeah, absolutely. I think every, every, obviously if your horse 
is good at something, you're loving it. Yeah. Definitely when I was riding Grand Prix with the Frisian, I struggled so much with the flying changes because Frisians notoriously do find them a bit challenging. And I went from trainer to trainer to trainer, from coach to coach to coach going, I need help with the ones. I need help with the ones. And every single coach said, your horse can't do ones. Mm -hmm. Like that's why you're struggling with it. It can't be done. I went... (laughs) can't be done I'm a circus trainer I'll figure it out yeah (laughs) and I did I ended up getting 15 ones were they good no 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 but they were 15 ones I had to get a five but sometimes I even got a six look at me go but I did have a bit of a mental block to that I had to clear because I would come around exactly as you said come across the diagonal and go (gasps) and I'll tighten up unconsciously and go I hope this goes well you never want to go with the I hope yeah. Right. Um, so I realized I was doing this and I had to completely rewire and I was doing things like the affirmations. I was like, I am a flying change queen. Mm-hmm. I know more about flying changes than anyone else on the planet because I know how to get horses that can't do them, how to do them. Yeah. I am the best at flying changes. I rock at flying changes. I've got this, I've got this. And I would just meditate and visualize coming across that diagonal and getting my 15 ones, coming across that diagonal and getting my 15 ones, not perfectly, but getting them. Mm -hmm. And for my birthday, I think I'd been doing Grand Prix three years and still had not got, and this is, I'm, I'm different. Most people don't go into the Grand Prix until they can do the Grand Prix. (laughs) I go into the Grand Prix when I can't do the Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. Um, I figure it out while I'm in there. And three (laughs) years in, I still didn't have 15 ones. I got them sometimes at home, but I'd never executed at competition. And it was Mm. my birthday. And I was like, come on, we've got this. And he gave me my birthday or I gave myself 15 ones and I was like oh just best feeling ever yeah but yeah when it came to the Piaf Passage he found that so easy it was like oh we could all relax him and I like (laughs) yeah that little bit what's the prep like for yourself you know mentally physically and then your prep for your horses going into a competition I'm really lucky, like I'm with the warm bloods, I'm only just starting to ride the warm bloods and gosh, they're a bit sensitive. Mm-hmm. They're a bit precious. Yep. They, they need some, they need all these things. So the Frisian, I remember like I literally, you could just like the Stalin, you just take him out, put a saddle and bridle on. And if, if the timing had gone wrong and I needed to, like they got the times wrong and they were like, actually your class has been postponed. You're not going to be on for an hour. Yeah. Or if they were like, it's running really ahead. Can you ride in five minutes? It yeah. Like we could just roll with it. They're very hardy. They're very just, yeah, whatevs, which is me. Like we just get on so well personality-wise. With these warm bloods, they're very sensitive. They're very precious. They need everything just so and they need time for this and they need time for this. And yeah, that's certainly a learning curve for me because I'm not (laughs) precious and I'm not into pedantic. You know, a lot of people addicted that love dressage and all that type A personality, that's not me. Mm -hmm. So I need to more have grooms and people around me that give that structure. Yeah. When you're on the road competing, how do you deal with, you know, the business side of your writing success? WhatsApp voice memos. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm just constantly like the team will ask me a question and I'm just like, yeah, it's just Mm -hmm. voice memos. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a team is always everything for, for running things smoothly. And I think with your personality, it's so good because you are so easily able to just delegate things. And then it it really sets you up nicely for when you are gone, things can run and, and, you know, maintain while you need to be away. So that's, I feel like that's a really good um, personality trait to have when it comes to that. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. And also, I'm a huge big picture person. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the Olympics and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And that's where I love to live and that's where I love to play. Mm -hmm. So then I need people around me to do the nitty gritty and the details Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's just all, and I'm very much like an entrepreneur shiny thing. Oh, that shiny, shiny thing, shiny thing. Uh And and my team's like, oh, God, she's at it again. Like, I've got a whiteboard, 18 different things I want to create and do in the company and they're like let's just do number one I'm like oh but I could do here's six yeah. of them and they're like stop one to completion because they I'm know like, oh. they're the ones that have to carry it out <laughs> they do they do and even me like to complete I'm yeah. very good at starting mm-hmm. not okay at maintaining and just no good at finishing that's that's again my personality mm-hmm. so I need to have people around me that push me to the end that are like you said you were going to do this yeah sit down finish it I'm like, okay, so I need a bit of discipline. I love it. That is so funny. That is a lot like me too. What would you say is an area of the equestrian world that you are passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? Yeah, I think people in general, huge, wide sweeping generalization, are scared to show it bad and scared to make mistakes and fail and and look bad. And that is hilarious to me. Like, I, I get it. I get that we're all born with those fears. We're, we're scared of being judged. We're scared of not being good enough. We're scared of not being enough. But then to project the people, so you've got who you are, and then you've got who you pretend to be so you don't get, so this is protected. And I go, why? Why do we do that? And in the horse world especially, well, I think a lot of worlds, we're very judgmental uh, around other people. And I go, well, judgment is is always fear. So and I, I giggle when people, I don't know if you get it, but there's negative comments on social media or on YouTube or wherever it is. And I'm like, are you okay? Because that that's not about me. That's about you. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they can't see that it's about them and they've put it out into the public basically saying, here's, here's where I'm hurt. Here's where I need to grow in the world. And they that whole piece of it's okay to F up and it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to make mistakes. And when someone makes a mistake, this is what I don't understand, in the world doesn't have to be in the horse world when someone makes a mistake we love to go you made a mistake you are bad mm-hmm. and I just why why can't we all surround this person with love and go you made a mistake you clearly didn't mean to or want to how can we help how can we right. serve how can we look after you and how can we educate you to not do that again totally you see that in so many different levels of the sport too in every single level something that I feel like is interesting is especially when you enter the young profession when you when you're jumping into being a professional and there's the stereotype that you have to have it all together you know as like a young person as a young professional. And I feel like the the industry, it really does the industry a disservice because then it becomes all of these people walking around acting like they know what they're doing instead of asking the questions and then maybe not knowing how to answer a question and give other people false information. And then it just turns into a bunch of mistakes and a bunch, you know, it's, it's not good for an industry. So it's, it's something that I feel like people need to, or there needs to be more and more conversation about which I'm so I'm glad you brought it up because I feel like if people just talked about it 
more, people would realize that literally everyone feels that way and everyone is, you know, just trying to do their best. Absolutely. And even that word gives me like, I don't like that word professional. Like I wouldn't say I'm a professional. I don't resonate with the word. I'm just doing my thing. I'm doing my best, as you said, as everyone is, and I'm learning and I'm growing and tomorrow I'll be better with what I learned today. And just let me have my learning experience and I'll let you have yours and I'll support you and love you wherever you're at. Mm -hmm. Support and love everyone wherever they're at. Because even, even the best in the world, like Isabel is better today than she was a year ago. She's mm-hmm. so is she more professional? Like what is that? Yeah. When what is the definition? I don't know. I just I hate labels. I hate categories. Humans aren't labels. Humans aren't categories. They're a messy blob of all this cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And if we could just see it for what it is and not decide that it has to fit into a certain box, I think that would be really cool. I agree. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> what are what do you feel like are some things that we could do to help more people in the industry recognize that and be okay with that, like be okay with where they're at and enjoy the journey. The mistakes are what, you know, makes your journey beautiful and have character to it. I mean, if it, if all the horses were perfect and we were perfect, like no one would do it because it'd be so boring. Oh my God. Can you imagine? It'd be like driving cars around. You know what I mean? Like it would just be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, well, I think talking about it's good. Like that's what I'm always talking about in your writing mm-hmm. success. I'm just like, it's okay. And I try to put out videos, even though I get the hate, even though I get the judgment to be like, hey, here's me not being perfect again and again and again. So if it's okay, if I do it and it's, I can, and if, if nothing, I don't burst into flames, I don't die, nothing, nothing bad happens. Maybe it's okay if you do it too. I'm all about trying to lead from example to give permission to do others, for others to do the same love and it. just rock on and just love yeah. and, and bring more love, passion, joy, excitement into their lives. That's what I'm all about. Amazing. I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was so fun chatting with you and I'm excited to see where this next year and couple years bring you. And I just wish you all the best. You too. Thanks so much. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you next week.